2: Welcome to this latest edition of Pick A Flick, where you pick them, we watch em. Simple. I'm Tony Black, your host, and today we're trying something a little bit different. I'm on my own. I'm flying solo for the first time in quite a long time, actually. And taking a cue from our friends at Fail Critics, I decided that we'd try and do a film commentary. As in, I am going to sit with you and talk over... The film that we're about to play. So basically the film is going to play. I'm going to talk over it. The film will be quiet. But you will have the option of listening to me talk about the film while it's playing in the background. Or ideally, and this is the idea, that you will play the film and listen to me alongside it. Like you would a traditional director's commentary. The film we're going to cover today is a classic. One that means a great deal to me personally. And I'm really glad it's been nominated we're going to Jurassic Park so without further ado let's pick a flick I encourage you to press play at the very beginning of the film now so we open on the traditional universal logo coming up on screen there's just something about this music I think as well with from John Williams which opens the the film up which is really quite ominous and unsettling straight away it's not traditionally what you might expect from John Williams Amblin there with a sign of quality and simply the title you might have expected something a bit more flashy with Jurassic Park Where the bushes are rumbling. Concerned construction workers. (laughs) 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 I I love the the branding as well. It makes it just feel so. The branding on their hats there makes it feel so much more. Which we'll call him. There he is. Muldoon. Bob Peck. The late, great Bob Peck. He's. Probably one of my favourite characters in this, actually. Straight away, you get the sense that something's not quite right with all this. That they're messing with things they shouldn't be doing. From the big steel cages near Isla Nublar. From the northwest of Costa Rica. So, you know, we're quite a way away from... Civilization really. Aldoan's got that big game hunter look, hasn't he? He's, he's like a traditional sort of H. Rider Haggard kind of Allan Quatermain, nineteenth century almost kind of kind of guy. You can imagine him hunting game in in Africa. I think, I think maybe he, he says he does in this film. I'm not sure, but you can see that, can't you? Really, in the way he's his position. Of course, all this comes from Michael Crichton originally with Jurassic Park being based on his book. So, the look of the characters, of most of the characters, would be be from that. Oh, there we go. The first... first casualties. Oh, and he's off. He's in. The dinosaurs got in. Straight away, we're alerted to the threat, aren't we, there? You know. Oh, go that's the creepy way he goes up he gets slides up the up the cage and you just immediately know that, that this thing whatever it is is dangerous quick flash there of the eye quick flash of the eye it's just really quite terrifying shooter
3: shooter,
2: shooter! I may do this <laughs> during this commentary I may occasionally sort of you know, break into dialogue but it's quite a Quite an ominous opening, really, that lets you know that Jurassic Park is more than it seems. And here he is, the character you love to hate, well, you just probably hate, Gennaro, the lawyer. There's Miguel Sandoval, well-known character actor in a small role, Martin Ferreira there as the lawyer.
4: Again, both... uh, his People that we are, are in crop
2: up in various things. This shows that you know there's the this corporate undercurrent to to, be with
3: his She's a well, to what's going that. on really with all this, the and that's falls over there.
2: <laughs> an idiot.
3: The talking spirit, obviously about how you know there are the safety questions the
2: about the park, and
3: very, very anxious. You know, you know, obviously, you know they know they're getting into something dodgy, but. And you get the feeling that you know John
2: Hammond. We haven't seen him yet, but they're talking about him. He's the kind of guy who likes to cut corners. You know, he's uh, he's quite willing to make a fast buck at the expense of certain things.
3: sign on the The insurance guys will back off. I've already got but they think
2: it's quite a good way, really, of setting up the characters as well, because they're talking about you know Malcolm and Granton and,
3: and these guys.
2: It's not a bad way of really establishing. You know, Why those not? guys before we see them. And then, of course, there it is, the, the ember. Like me. And, er...
3: Uh, He's a digger.
2: The amber, I should say. <laughs> the fossilised creature. That's where it all begins. Two different kinds of digs here. Obviously, you know, the amber mine. And now we're, now we're being introduced to our leads... And these guys are proper paleontologists, digging up fossilised dino remains, and they're genuine professionals. Montana. We've gone quite a bit away around the world, haven't we? You know, we've just been to the Dominican Republic. There he is, Dr. Grant, Dr. Alan Grant, Dr. Ellie Sadler, Sam Neill, Laura Dern you can't really imagine anyone else in these roles now but there were other people you know being uh, tapped for this. Harrison Ford was offered Larry grant but he uh, he, t- he turned it down. He didn't think the part was right for him. Well, I mean I don't I think it would have been quite clearly I mean you know you can t- you can totally imagine Harrison Ford playing this role really but, although maybe he's just a bit grumpy <laughs> a bit too grumpy but then Alan Grant's grumpy at the beginning so it would have worked he said he uh, he said he felt th- the decision was right for him after after seeing a bit of the film I don't know if he's watched all of it but for Ellie it was there was quite a lot of names bandied about for people who were up for areas. this role so they weren't necessarily the first choices Sandra Bullock, Gwyneth Paltrow Julianne Moore, Helen Hunt Terry Hatcher, Elizabeth Hurley Sherilyn Fenn, there's just a few names that are uh, that are banded about for Ellie but um, it, it's, it's hard to say how many of them were genuinely confirmed, Julianne Moore obviously would go on to play the effect of the, the female lead in the second well, film, The Lost World, Dr. Sarah Harding a well, a much less a impressive friend. film than this. A much less remembered one. But uh, just like a bird.
4: there you go. I think bird Laura bird Dern's probably hollow, as good an actress like as they would have found for this. And, and, this. Word, and here we've got, obviously,
2: Grant showing really how, how good he is at what he does and how much he knows. And this little kid just... <laughs> <laughs> this is a great scene. <laughs> this is good because it does a couple of things. It shows that Grant... It's It's funny, obviously, okay. but it also shows that Grant is... Very knowledgeable about, about dinosaurs and about the Cretaceous repeated. period and and everything like this. And equally, that <laughs> he doesn't really like kids. <laughs> and you
3: keep still because
1: you think that maybe his visual acuity is based on movement, like T Rex. Because that's the, the undercurrent to this. Don't move, no, For this
2: whole scene, it's this whole thing, and that, and it's one of the big yeah, things with his character throughout the film. He just stares. Right how he bonds with children. And,
1: that's when and of course, you know, this being the Spielberg,
2: front. there's always the there's always kids involved. There's always yeah, a very childlike view of a lot of stuff. So, he's talking here about velociraptors, explaining, also a very clever way of actually explaining and setting up how the velociraptors are, uh, are dangerous, you know, he's got the claw there of, of, of you know, little does he know that they're going to actually face these things in real, in real life very soon, um, but it's clever, that's a good way of having a start, ooh, just get you by the guts there, and then, all open you by the by the belly and it's you know it's very clever it's a way of establishing the threat establishing that Grant knows his, his onions with dinosaurs and all children very clever scene of dialogue and also a funny one and you know a very effective way of, of writing okay. you would be terrified if you were that kid <laughs> and now of course Ellie's just reminding him that you know, you know, we're starting to understand that they're obviously together. I don't want that. Kid, but they have this
4: child, Dr. very sort
2: of easygoing kind of relationship, really, which is. Kids. Oh, it's they, you them. know they they oddly enough they never really struck they me often as a romantic friends. couple. These two they often struck me as a as more of a friendship in they're a way. Not, you know, you not can not see them together. They have, they have a certain chemistry, but you, you almost can see them being mates as well. So, it kind of works in that sense. And here they come, the, the corporate guys cover the site up. Uh, that, again the whole idea and it's carried through all the Jurassic Park films really of the, the corporate suits not having a clue about having any respect for nature and having a clue of what, you know, what really is going on with the helicopter just blowing a lot of the site away um, and there's the, there's the trailer and now we're about to here he is, Dickie the late Sir Richard Attenborough off goes the cork
3: we're saving that
2: for today I guarantee it John Hammond he, he's so an interesting character Crichton had always that's intended that's Hammond to be a uh, a dark walk Disney, by, uh, Disney he said
4: <laughs> well spent.
2: and then in comes Ellie <laughs> okay, who's the jerk? and they're both it's funny because they're both okay, going guess all guess guns that's blazing that's without realising quite that's who that's Hammond that's is that's and then when they realise that he's the guy who's bankrolling them, they're like but he's a little bit oblivious, or he be seems oblivious. That's the thing. He's not quite as oblivious know, a character know, as he as he lets know, on. No, 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 Hammond no, 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 throughout this, he's got that kind know, of jokey, know, sort of know, happy-go-lucky Scottish, right point, slightly bewildered old man thing going on. But he knows he knows he's more shrewd than he lets on.
3: I can tell instantly. Throughout the film, this was
2: actually the first time that Attenborough appeared in a film since 1979, a film called The Human Factor. So he was. Sort of teased out of retirement for this, although
3: he wasn't really spectacular. I think
2: officially in retirement, he was still involved in, in films and things. He made Shadowlands around the same time as this, so as director. Um, but it's funny because you know a lot of people now associate Richard Attenborough with this role. You know, especially of my generation and,
3: and the generations after, they remember him probably as. As John yeah.
2: Hammond, more than anything else. Oh, so well, I mean, this was yeah. a really a role that really catapulted know.
3: him oh, back into uh, in into, the, my investors.
2: into the public consciousness. Spielberg I mean, apparently asked Sean Connery okay. to play Hammond though as well. well, well um, after obviously you know just a few years on. earlier he played I mean, Professor Henry Jones in, field, in Indiana Jones: and The Last lines. Crusade. And And that was brilliant. Connery was amazing in that. So I mean, you could imagine him playing Hammond. Although I I don't think he'd have been quite as as easy to believe in the role. You know, Attenborough's got a little bit more of the the slightly bewildered old man side. You could have never imagined Connery. Although he did that in Last Crusade, didn't he? I mean, that was why he was so good. You know, because the man who was James Bond had managed to really sort of send himself up. So maybe he could have played this role. I've got but he he turned it down, um, like he turned most things down, <laughs> really.
4: So is, we Hammonds obviously
2: tempting uh, them
3: with uh, a weekend.
2: lot of money if they'll come and check yeah, out his park. Also, in the uh, in the trailer here, there's uh, you may yeah, have spotted have some newspaper clippings yeah. on the fridge. Okay and they, they read space aliens stole my face and dinosaurs on Mars which is uh, <laughs> which is random little things you don't see right we're back in Costa Rica now and again this is an interesting scene because it again uh, you know, underlines the corporate corporate espionage element of, of Jurassic Park which is always an element I think people tend to forget a bit more really Um And uh, there he is, Dennis Nedry, who's one of our villains, really, isn't he? I mean, he's you know played by Wayne Newman, um, obviously well known as Wayne Newman, Wayne Knight, <laughs> obviously well known as Newman from Seinfeld. That's where I was going with that. But he's a uh, he's a memorable character, Nedry, obviously for being Should so. Um, Dodson, we got Dodson here. Dodson, we got Dodson here. <laughs> that apparently, funnily enough, that was um. Nice hat. That was that's become quite well known on, uh, on online. The whole Dodson thing. There's been re- fan recreations of it. It's got a bit of a cult following. This scene. There's been fan recreations of it on YouTube. There are T-shirts with Dodson's face on it <laughs> as well. This guy who um, played Dodson, a guy called Cameron Thor, actually auditioned for Ian Malcolm. Um, and he's the one who tracked down the shaving can here weirdly enough and he spent he spent ages in drugstores looking for like the most photogenic can uh, and he used it at, at his audition <laughs> he was um and this is the character he's most recognised for obviously and I've never seen him in anything else but uh yeah, How are you planning that's to quite security. interesting. They're We're obviously hatching there. now. That We're Nedry's little cunning plan We're to get the uh, the group. And this is the thing. There's there's this whole other side of it behind, and you see this more in the sequels. But the whole idea of Ingen, which are the, cheap the, the the corporate company behind all this bank and a lot of it and stuff. There's a lot of this corporate espionage going on behind the scenes. So Nedry's a little window into that. And here we go in the chopper. I'm getting close to the to the real cool first few scenes now. And there's Malcolm. Jeff Goldblum, he he uh, makes this film for me. I mean, it's Alan Grant and Ellie are obviously great, um, but it's Jeff Goldblum who's who's the best thing uh, in this. I think he's just great. Well, I mean, he's great in this in this role because he he plays when when Malcolm comes back and takes the lead in the Lost World. He's just not nearly as good because he's having to just be much more of a bland action hero. But here, he can be the charming, suave, jokey, very Jeff. Goblin with talking, in, in which he does the language pauses, language and then he'll say things really fast, and he's quite confused, and then he's that that right, and you know, know, talking again. The <laughs> he's great, um, no. and he gets some really, really no. good no, not scenes. And it's already record. he's doing this kind of brainy mathematician slash flirty rock star thing. I think haven't even calls him a rock star at one point.
3: I'm the concept.
2: There he is. He actually had a relationship with Laura Dern after this, from you know. There he comes, rock Yeah, he—he's—he's known for this, apparently. Jeff Goblin for dating his co-stars. There it is. Cue the music. Dun We're off, and this is Isla I will say, I think John John Williams' score for this film as well. is vastly underrated. I think it's. I don't think it's his best score. But I think it's one of them. I think it should be up there because the music for this is, is just beautiful.
3: Bad wind we have to drop. And this is and it's so these themes them you get
2: in these, especially these <laughs> opening few scenes, which just don't that really. That's yeah. <laughs> another shitting himself. <laughs> Spielberg actually delayed filming to um, to allow some of the actors to get here um,
1: he delayed uh, he it
2: by several weeks because Richard Attenborough was finishing post-production on Chaplin which he was directing you um, he needed to do that before he committed and Samuel had been fil- making a film called Family Pictures which I, I've never heard of he only had a weekend off apparently between filming um, before, he, uh, before he came onto this which is wow <laughs> Jeeps, there's the jeeps. They, uh, they're also quite memorable, aren't they? The jeeps were. Um, Steven Spielberg turned up to the premiere. One those <laughs> Amazingly enough, they uh, they Ford Explorers in the in the film, but they were actually Toyotas. Um, he got seven in the film Spielberg, and he, he modified he modified them to create the illusion of of automation. The driver was in the trunk, believe it or not. <laughs> so even though they look like they're, they're driving themselves at various points later, um, the drivers the were in the trunk in and, the and they were customised.
4: The they there's a replica relax. of
2: them now in Universal Studios this is Japan, so this is not they have been completely been
3: more out really. There's a little Mansion spiel I about you know, the investors are worried. Convinced.
2: I'm not convinced. I'll shut you down, John. Hammond's quite it's bullish, though, isn't he? I you know, he's I he's he still believes York. that this is going to work, and that's the whole thing. You know, he's he's he's, he's very naive. He's not deaf, but he's very naive. And whether or not anyone could have, you know, conveyed that as well so as so so. Ride, I don't know. Uh, here we go. This is it now. This is, this is really the bad. scene. This is the moment that, that everyone remembers. This is it. This is this still gives me goosebumps. This scene, because it's it's just it just sums up what this film is. Just the way it's filmed. Spielberg directs this so perfectly. Just it's the way he takes his glasses off. There, it's just like complete shock, and he just put, gar, grabs a hair, <laughs> twists here. her head. But, look, we can't believe what we. Oh my! And it's you know it's building up expectation. We don't know what they're what we're about to see. They're seeing something incredible, and there it is. It's amazing The effects I mean th- th- You know This this was it This was the next step on It was James Cameron Who really Blew everyone's minds With the T1, T-1000 one T And Terminator 2 About two years before You know The liquid metal thing But this was the first Time CGI truly Made you Just drop Your jaw It's You know This had never been done before and it was, you know, it was these effects that, for better or worse, but these, this was the point where George Lucas went, yeah, we can do Star Wars one to three now. You know, he'd seen this film and he went, it's a time. We're at the point now I can do what I've envisioned, and that's so. Really, Jurassic Park is because of the prequels, or <laughs> uh, well, the prequels are because because of Jurassic Park. Right? Brachiosaurus there, and then it's slow. John Williams theme. Right. Just amazing. The sounds made by the Brachiosaurus were a combination of whale and donkey sounds, actually, from there. Uh, well, we clocked the T Rex to
3: 32 t-rex.
4: miles an
2: hour. <laughs> T Rex. You said you got a T Rex? <laughs> Say it again. have a T Rex. You have a T Rex. <laughs> oh I love it it's oh. so good it's just these reactions just oh my god you have a do T-Rex right. this is it my favourite line yeah, "Rock right. to Jurassic Park to Jurassic Park. wonderful and then it's just so it's just perfect this is just filmmaking that's just perfect for me it's the awe and the majesty of it and the and the drama and the character it's just beautiful It's and then the music over it it, you know, as a child, I was just filled with wonder, and as an adult, I'm just like I love it. I'm just in love with the way this is this is made, this written, shot, everything. It it's it's just wonderful. They don't you feel there, you feel what they're feeling at this point. You feel their their majesty of nature and, and, and amazement at what they're looking at. How did you do this? Just the way you whispered that. I'll like, show you. I'll show you. And then yeah beautiful that's my favourite scene in the film I mean the the film's got um, brilliant scenes all the way through but that's the one that's the one that that truly you know truly truly love this is the the big control centre now where uh, we're about to meet two more of our main characters I'd love to have gone to this when I was a kid I'd love to go to this now actually dinosaurs ruled the earth
4: That skeleton
2: there, that T Rex skeleton, actually was um, was originally hooked up to pulleys like a giant marionette. And at the end, Grant was going to man the controls and act as a puppeteer, and then he'd use the skeleton's hand to crush the the raptors. <laughs> um, which I I think what they went for in the end is much is much better. You uh, know. Oh, I love this video. I I always wanted to go on this ride as well. Um, I always, I always wanted to do this.
3: Here
2: oh, he comes. Here comes the second John on the screen. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hello. Say hello, John. Hello. Hello, Hello, John. Yes. There's a real sense of theatre to this, isn't there, from Hammond? I mean, it's you know he's he's putting He still feels like he's putting on a show. He's, he's a showman. He's a classic live entertainer, and we get into that a bit more later when he talks about his flea circus in one of the most. One well, of the nicest scenes, but there really is a sense of theatre about him. And even though there's this undercurrent of, of seriously, hello John, hello John, of seriously, you know, disturbing science, but there's this, there is this sense of of having a show put on them on for them. And then we've got the the DNA, the, welcome DNA. <laughs> well, Mr. DNA. <laughs> from your blood goes whoa, wrong your blood, goes, well, well, blood. Your blood. <laughs> love it it's just really funny the way the, the way they had this scene Spielberg actually did this i, I, I mean this would have appealed to the, to the kids but He's Spielberg big 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 did it because, he, because he, day. Day. he knew that it would allow him to cut down exposition it was a good move really this was this was a way of condensing a lot of the exposition in Crichton's novel and getting it down you know to bite-sized like things, really. Day which day which day is a good idea.
0: Obviously
2: Sometimes explains the whole they process of how they, they, they did this. You know, whether this science is doable or not is still open to question. I think it's it's a big leap, obviously. Time, but I, I always think, I mean, with Michael Crichton there was always a sense, obviously you know, he's, like he's quite long since dead now, but there's always a sense that his science was only a little bit in the future you know that, that a lot of what he thought could happen may well happen one day you know in a lot of his films and a lot of his novels and a lot of his ideas it doesn't it doesn't feel too far away from from the truth in fact in, in 2005 a paleontologist called Dr Mary Schweitzer discovered red blood cells and soft tissue in the fossilised bones of a T-Rex. So, you know, there's a possibility that, that someone with the right amount of money and the right amount of, frankly, balls
4: <laughs>
2: might actually do this one day, he might actually try and clone a dinosaur. I mean,
3: it, you know, I don't know about you,
2: I, I think I think it would be an incredibly dangerous thing to do. I mean, you know, in a way, Jurassic Park is a cautionary tale for things like this. It's a cautionary tale about messing with nature and, and trying to play guard and create species and things like that when you know we, we don't even really know I mean you know the, the whole I, the vision of what dinosaurs look like you know he's, he's he's hearsay a lot of the vision we have of dinosaurs many people have said that there's not you know they're not actually what necessarily they did look like so we don't know what we might create really yeah, well, all the scientists they're working on the on the technology are
3: these characters auto Autoerotica. <laughs> there's
2: a few lines in this. There's a few. There's a few moments where he's, you know, you uh, you, you do you do. The, there's some quite humorous lines that people have missed. Really, well, yes, that they were autoerotica erotic sort instead of animatronic. We've still got the excitement of of Ellie and and Alan here as well, haven't we? About everything they haven't quite got to the point yet where they're a bit afraid of all this. They're still they're still buzzing with excitement about what. What all this is and what it can <laughs> do. there's the the no no BD Wong? Oh, good day, He uh, he got quite high billing in this, but he he, he was only in a, a very small amount of um, of time in this film. Strangely enough, he uh, he's only got two minutes, less than two minutes. But he's 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 the only cast member from this film to be in the latest film, Jurassic World, and obviously he wasn't in the, the oh, following two sequels, and he gets much more to do in that. I hope they've
4: hash required. Yeah, I everyone know.
2: else has either moved on or in Richard Attenborough's case died. Here we go, is the hatching of the egg. This is uh come on. Come on, This was supposed to be a baby's triceratops originally that on. hatches out the egg. But um on, they changed it to a, a raptor.
4: Come on then
2: in order I think to keep adding the idea that these raptors may seem like harmless little things and these dinosaurs may may seem nice and cuddly and and everything but but there's a lot more lot more to it than that I mean really when you look at this you can't see it as. I mean it's really creepy and, and, and unnerving you know Hammond's treating it like a little baby and going
4: come on come on
2: but that thing is dead I mean look at it you know the noise it's making that's a little bit terrifying itself, it may seem sweet but it's also a bit terrifying and then with the hindsight of what you know it's going to become then it makes it even more disturbing really
3: yeah. and
2: he's talking about population control and making sure things are security controls in place but Malcolm's asking the questions you see he's he's the one who's really concerned about this for that point
3: and uh
2: He's a little bit more on edge
1: about it. Oh my God. <laughs> blood temperature is like a high 80s, maybe. Oop. <laughs> uh, 91. Homeothermic? many mm-hmm.
3: thermic?
0: It holds that temperature. It's incredible. <laughs> Oof.
3: But um, again, how do you know they're all female? When somebody got in the park and <laughs> pulled <out> the dice? <laughs> That's
2: only line script. there from. From Malcolm, he's got that, really still that got that self deprecating humour and, and everything. Anyway, still a lot a of exposition in this scene. You know, they're having to get quite a bit out of the way email. in order to contextualise the action later. But it is all—it is all—is Malcolm actually a yeah, his concern? There, there is all a point to all this. You know, it's not just needless exposition. It's making the—it's explain the science behind it, but it's making the point of how dangerous this can be. You know, in the following scene, really, at the dinner. Really amps up that point.
3: There yeah, it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will.
2: It's a very well written film. Yeah, people 100%. people remember it for. Uh, Life finds a way. That's a, a great line from this film. There, there's a, a lot of people, you know, remember this film much more for the action and the and the CGI and everything. But it's actually very very well written. At the same time, it's got a it's got a great yeah. script with it, A lot it's of a really important one. ideas in it. You see, Ra- Grant knows that raptors is a dangerous thing. They, they haven't really considered this. He's aware of, you know, going back to the scene with the child earlier, he's, he's aware of how dangerous that little sweet-looking thing will end up being later on. As I was saying, uh, we laid on lunch for you before you set out into
3: the park. I'll go make sure now, maybe he's starting to get a bit
2: suspicious as well, seeing... Oh, dear. Here we go. That poor thing. You've got to feel a bit sorry for that, haven't you? Anyway, you see Hammond's talking about how, you know, the dec- a, pr- a delightful meal as an entire animal's about to be eviscerated. Hammond doesn't, he doesn't see it. He doesn't get the, he doesn't get it, does he? You know, he's, he's very much in his own little sort of world that this is normal, this is okay, this is, this is fine when it's just very, very disturbing, really what you don't see as well I mean that's the great thing you know we haven't seen one of these dinosaurs yet really when do anything specifically it's, it's quite it's, it's all off screen it's all it's all noises it's all they all be destroyed yeah, he's Muldoon again G- gay game warden from Kenya so yeah as, as I said earlier
1: bit of an alarmist I'm um,
2: afraid bit of an alarmist he calls him and that, that's how Crichton saw him apparently a bit of an alarmist but you know Crichton was very I think anti this idea but Muldoon's old school you know an old school game he sees them more as sport but he understands also the no, the dangers yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. So and that's why he's he's quite shrewd. You know, he he so doesn't underestimate them, as he says here.
3: Even problem solving, yeah. Especially the. He knows lines.
2: they're they're smart.
3: We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all the two of the others.
2: Shame Bob Peck died. No he one. he died a long time ago, now, but he's a very good actor.
3: She you, and she If ever you see him in anything, he's
2: out. he always brings a certain, we have a, certain them daily, them. a certain gravitas and.
3: She had them all attacking the fences. And everything to the
2: part. The
4: fences are electrified, though, right? That's right. It's in the process of establishing all the, all the,
2: all so the security mechanisms, and systematically. you know the script does this quite well. You know it, it doesn't labour the points, it doesn't drag the scenes. While there's always something going on, while we get we're getting crucial information about how this place works. I think that's one of the big things as well. The reason that Jurassic Park's a re- really great film is because right. it establishes a good framework for everything. You know, it, it before everything goes to to shit. You, you understand the mechanics of it all. So by the time these characters are in these situations, you've got a real feeling for, for the place and for how it works. And that makes it all the more entertaining when it all goes wrong, really. It's bad, not expense. There we go. There's Hammond's catchphrase. The lawyer outlining the figures. This is another one of my favourite scenes from this film. It's, it's where Malcolm chips in and, and he makes his speech. Um, and this is, again, putting the philosophies on the table now. We've seen the science. We've seen... Well, and we'll certainly the characters a, are this I is about the philosophies on the table. You've got the corporate lawyer who's who's <laughs> okay. making the money, you've got Hammond who wants to bring something to the people, and now you've got Malcolm who's Who's uh
3: Malcolm but I think seeing it from the philosophical point of view, the human point of view. The,
2: human point of view,
3: the humanist point of view. Now,
2: with Grant and Ellie really in the middle.
3: Really do. yeah, the this is
2: great. this this, it, this song uh, is gonna the character up really. Uh,
3: in what you're doing here, genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen. You, you will get like a kid here. that's, found his, kid that's found his dad's gun. <laughs> it's hardly appropriate to start hurling it's down. Entry, really. it, it, if I may. Um I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before yeah, yeah, it is a line. Yeah, but your scientists are so preoccupied with whether or not they could dig
2: didn't stop, stop to think if they, they should. And that, that and that's that's the point, isn't it? You know, That's that's the ultimate idea of this. Just because you can do this doesn't mean you should do this. And that's you would
0: not have to be this
3: is some species that was obliterated by deforestation or or the building of a dam. Dinosaurs uh, had their shot and nature selected them for extinction.
2: I a especially from The thing is, you know, Hammond's, Hammond's, as we see later on, he's not a bad guy. You know, he's not. He genuinely wants to create something that will change things that will make, you know. But it's. I call
3: the It's that
2: whole, like, you know, complete lack of morality and understanding of, of anything beyond that that really cripples him, really.
4: Plants in this the building that are poisonous. You pick them because they look good. But these are aggressive. She understands it's it as, as well.
2: well she's, she's, know she, she, it see, she, she knows the, the, the thought dinosaur thought psychology of it as best as she can. Mm-hmm. And she's struggling to justify true. his point. There's
3: one person here who could appreciate what I'm trying to do. But the world has changed so radically. And we're all trying to catch up. I
0: don't want to jump to one of the conclusions. I the dinosaurs have been bad. It's quite nice when they leave the, the,
2: the just this, this, this point, a, point right for, for Grant to actually chip in and make, make <laughs> these words <laughs> important. You know, it doesn't <laughs> say anything for Adam here that he comes in with these very important point of, you know, and you have to
4: stick what they're going to do.
2: And now, of course, we're introduced to his uh, grandchildren, Lex and Tim, who are the other two main characters in the film. He's very much the benevolent granddad here, isn't he? Children, of course, played by Joseph Mazzello and Ariana Richards. Um, Joseph Mazzello was originally auditioned for Hook, and... Um, but uh, Spielberg didn't think he was quite right for the role, the child, the, the, the children's role in that film, and uh, decided to keep him keep him aboard for this, and uh, look him up afterwards. There were a few other uh, girls scouted for uh, the part of Lex who did audition: Christina Ricci, who would have been around the time of the Adams Family, and uh, also Anna Chomsky from. Uh, from my girl mainly known for my girl back then here of course you've got Alan's awkwardness at the children <laughs> Tim just following him around this is a nice scene this is uh this is a nice way again of underlining Alan's uncomfortable nature around kids and Ellie lapping it up she's loving it. <laughs> And I just like the way he gets out of the car. <laughs> and the scene carries on. It's that whole... Oh, God. It's funny. This is definitely the grumpy side of Alan. This is where I could have seen Harrison Ford working. In the role. Obviously quite important that he, that he puts Tim in a different car, ultimately, especially with the lawyer, which we'll see play out later.
1: Um,
2: yeah, this is good establishment for, for what's coming later. Now, of course, amping up the ominous nature of, of everything going on behind the scenes here. And, uh, with the storm incoming, and there's Sam Jackson smoking away. This was before Pulp Fiction, so this was before he was. Hold on to your butts. This is before he was well known, of course. And we're off. He's very much like a theme park right now. It does have that theme park aspect to it like a safari park kind of experience mixed with with obviously like you know a tourism aspect which of course you know Jurassic World amped up and and properly ran with um, that's why in many respects it can be seen as the, as the true sequel really to this film I love the gate I love this gate it's just ace This is a good, good example of, you know, the set design, the production. You know, that would have been built properly and, you know, put there. It just adds to the whole flavour that you really are in this place and in this park. And the signs there, of course, again, reinforcing. It's the kind of thing you would see. And that's, you know, that's why that's why Jurassic World as a concept is great. Because, the, you know, the... The the film itself is, um, is flawed, but the concept is excellent. But what I like here is that you don't actually see the dinosaur. This this is this is similar to to how it would be in a theme park or a safari park. You don't see them, and it's again Spielberg holding back too many of the dinosaurs. And you know, it's 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 the classic kind of monster thing. Don't sh- show your hand too soon. But it's also again suggesting that the that everything isn't quite how it should be in this in this setup. As I say, though, you know, Jurassic World took this idea to the next level, and I think d- depicted a, a working park very well, actually, in the constraints of what it was what it was capable of doing. And here's Nedry? And he's very tidy, desk. <laughs> There's a little bit of trivia here. If you look in a moment to the screen to his left, uh, just out of shot right now, you will see a film playing that is quite recognizable, especially to Spielberg films. As little in- Spielberg fans, I should say, as a little in joke. I will
4: not debate with really will
2: I don't blame there's perhaps a little bit of an undercurrent here of why Nedry and Hammond are there it is, Jaws if you see, very blink and you'll miss it Jaws was on his on his film but there's a we don't really know why Nedry does what he does but there's a hint of it there I suppose and, um, and then like Muldoon goes quiet they're approaching the paddock just, you know, he doesn't have to say much does he, Bob Peck and here we go. We're building up to the to the scene now, the big scene, the big scene that really sets off all the all the danger as they approach the the T Rex paddock again. Keeping the uh, the monster out of sight, keeping everything hidden. They still don't have quite have that sense that they're in in serious danger yet. But uh, this is a nice this is a nice beat coming up after goblins. Woman inherits the earth. What we'll see, what's interesting is that Malcolm could have been a really unlikable character. You know, you know, if, if you're already invested in Ellie and, Ellie and Alan's relationship, Malcolm coming in and being, you know, all, you know, flirty and, and being a know-it-all, really, and talking about the butterfly effect and chaos theory and all this, he could have been. You know, the way he's holding her hair and everything, he could have been really, like, annoying. A lot of people probably did think no? he was a bit of a dick. But he's he's charming enough to make it work, and I think the relationship between him and Grant is is good because Grant doesn't show any signs of jealousy. You know, he's more interested in what's going on outside. Um, you never get the sense that he's going to steal Ellie away from Grant, which I like. You know, she she's a little bit charmed by him, but there's never it never goes any further than that. It never it never becomes like a, a love triangle thing that would have really sort of taken the point away from the story or anything. It's it's just a nice little beat that that undoubtedly you know he's helped by the genuine chemistry between Jeff Goblin and Laura Dern um, but it's uh, it just adds to it it adds to the characterization, as I say and it, it doesn't it doesn't become annoying uh, now eventually you might have dinosaurs on your on your
3: dinosaur core right hello I really hate that man. Yeah. See, the Tyrannosaurus uh, uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules. the essence uh, of chaos. I'm, I'm
4: still
3: not clear on chaos. Oh, oh it, it, it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability in complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking and in the Central Park. and get rain instead essentially. Why? <laughs> and did I go too fast? I, I go too fast. I didn't fly. No, give, give me that big glass of water. So we're going to conduct an experiment. It should be still. The car's bouncing up and down. But that's okay. It's just an example. Now, put your hand flat, like a hieroglyphic right? Now, let's say a drop of water falls on your hand. Which way is the drop going to roll off? And which finger, or over the thumb or the really? other?
4: Thumb. Uh
3: huh. Okay. Okay. Now, freeze your hand. Freeze your hand. Don't move. I'm going to do the same thing. Start with the same. Stay in place again. Which right. way is going to roll off? Let's we'll say back. Same back. No. Say back. Say back. <gasps> A change. A change. Why? Because tiny variations, Uh, the, the orientation of the hairs on your hands. Yeah, look at this. Um, the amount of blood to in your vessels, imperfections in the skin.
0: Imperfections
3: in the skin? It's going my skin. <laughs> and never repeat and vastly affect the outcome. That's what I mean. Unpredictability.
2: Uh-huh. Can you off. Uh-huh. Look at this. See? See? You right see, he uses that whole like, flotation as, as a point of a gag a and then it's and There's She's uh, another good. example. <laughs> see here, I'm now by myself uh, uh, talking
3: to myself. That's that's dude. Okay. Stop upon program. Stop upon program.
2: See, the, uh, this how this, this may seem an incidental bit, but, but it's making the point that the goal security goal measures goal aren't goal as good as they as they seem to think. You know, you've got the fact that Grant can can go off and uh, and get out the car and and everything. You know, there is there is clearly there are clearly flaws in this system, um, and they're reminding us of Nedry's plan. But, so this scene is isn't there, there is a, an important point to this for various reasons.
3: Is there anybody else who thinks that we shouldn't be out here? And his book was a lot better than Nurse was like.
2: Yeah, really? really. <laughs> she grabs onto his hand again. You know, it's it's, it's increasing the beat with the children and and in, you know increasing that attachment to them, which he, which grows throughout the film. And obviously, he's one of the key points to the film, really, to his character. So it's um it's helping all that. It's aiding that. Timmy, hey I like how Spielberg shoots at Tim's level there to. To see the, uh, the Triceratops. That's a nice shot. This would have been... This would have been animatronics. Because there's, there's actually only 15 minutes of actual dinosaur footage in this film, believe it or not. There's... Uh, there's... Nine minutes of uh, animatronics. So it's, this would have been Stan Winston. Um, here. And... Uh, only six minutes. Six minutes is, is ILM CGI industrial light and magic. So it's it's amazing, really. You w- you wouldn't imagine that. You know, you'd think that they were in it for a hell of a lot longer, but but no. And this this is this is great example of animatronics. You don't actually find out either quite why the animal's sick in in the film. That that's that's an important point. Um, it's explained in the book there there was the the triceratops has has a lack of suitable teeth for grinding food so like birds it would swallow rocks and use them as gizzard stones but in the digestive tract, and in the digestive tract, these rocks would grind the food to aid in digestion Um, and after six weeks the rocks would become too smooth to be useful the animal would regurgitate them and we're finding and eating new rocks to use. The animal would also swallow West Indian like lilac berries, but which is obviously what Ellie finds now. So there's that know, whole.
4: Yes. Um, it's that explained
2: the animals, animals don't be. eat them. There is a hint of it, but you don't know explicitly why. Why sure? the animal is sick?
4: Pretty sure. There's only one way to be positive. I'd have to see the dinosaurs dropping.
2: But she never finds traces of the berries or the stones in the dropping. Dropping. in the excrement. And the reason is that it would it yeah. would um yeah. regurgitate them.
4: Yeah. Got that. That Talking about the storm. Adding, a adding
2: a storm sure. in there really really does help yeah, with the. The atmosphere in a big way, doesn't it? You know, throwing a storm into this into this chaos. It's just amping up the tension, amping up the ominous the ominous nature of the whole thing, which has existed, which has been there from the very beginning. You know, from the first scene where Muldoon is, you know, where Muldoon's in the uh, in in the animal cage. That's a lot of poo. (laughs) It's one big pile of shit. I remember when I saw that the cinema, I was. Oh, he just said shit. That's very, very. Sh- I was very embarrassed to put my mom. Right. When he said shit, so I was eleven. I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to be cute at eleven. So she's suffering from your See, you, you wouldn't want this part of the job, would you? You wouldn't want to be raking around in in dinosaur poo. I don't think I would. Rats. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> Little interaction there.
3: Tenacious. <laughs> no idea. You will remember to wash your hands before you eat anything.
2: Hello, Noon.
3: Doctors, if you please, I have to insist that we
1: get moving. Oh you know, if it's alright, I'd like to stay with Dr. Harding and finish up with the trike.
2: Yeah, the, the, the idea of the boat was established earlier about how the boat's leaving. So that again adds adds more of that that sense of you know if if, if they don't if something's going on. The wind's picking up now as well. There's that element that the full boat element that, that things are happening. There's flashes of lightning. The boat's going to leave soon. Yeah, they've got to go. They've got to go early. The boat's got to get out of there. So Nedry's got to. I love how how fast he speaks here he'll give me 15 minutes he'll give me 20 minutes I thought he could maybe push to 18 but he gotta
0: give me at least 15 minutes give me the 15 minutes I
2: promise it's not really explained in the film either why why Nedry does this why he he betrays Hammond he um, you know he he, in the book it's explained that you know he's basically been sidelined by Hammond and he feels ignored so that's why he he sells out but in the film he's basically just a a bit of a you know a, uh, a, a, a greedy glutton, really, uh, machine, and it I'll, works. You know, it works perfectly fine uh, enough, but you don't really get a, get see a see sense see of his a particular me. of his motivation behind it.
0: Oh, uh, um, I uh, finished debugging the phone. He's just a weasel, uh, but it, it, I, like I, I said, it deb- deb- does. I, so I did. It I, does I, work. Me, yeah, sorry, I debugged the phones, and uh, I thought maybe I uh, uh, should tell you that the uh, system is going to be uh, compiling for eighteen to twenty minutes. So some of the minor systems they might go on and off for a while, but it's nothing to worry about. It's just a simple thing.
2: Uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> this just reminded me of the uh uh-huh. huh. You didn't say the magic word. We'll get to that later. Yeah, the weather's proper coming in now. So see the other thing you wouldn't have associated Malcolm with having kids either, and that's obviously that's important to the next film. But uh, you you wouldn't have imagined him. I mean, it makes sense that he's had a few wives, and he's had a few different kids and things like that, and he's been a bit of a one. But you wouldn't, you can't see him as a dad really um, um, and obviously you know yeah, when t- his daughter turns out to be black in the next one that's even more of a surprise it works quite <laughs> well in that sense but um, yeah he doesn't he doesn't actually seem to, seem to be a, uh, a father figure now you've got Ned drip to his tricks Five,
4: four, three,
2: two, one. do you know how many cigarettes oh. Samuel L. Jackson smokes in this film no, I've never counted, but it seems like he's always got a fag in his mouth. That's
3: right. what?
2: Some you know, of the what things are going wrong now, there's already down. a few... Well,
3: a few systems ...problems.
2: Little do they know... ...what this lad is up to. Taking all the samples there of all the all the key dinosaurs, you know, so it's a bit terrifying, really, to think that you know if, if this 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 was this easy to happen, you can go and get the embryos. You really wouldn't want these getting into the into the wrong, wrong hands, would you? I mean, that's that's something as well that Jurassic World does, doesn't it? It, it, it gives the old the whole military application element of, of the dinosaurs. It hints at that, and the, if the rumours are true about the fifth film in a couple of years, they're actually going to be seen in war zones, which for me is a bit big whole idea that, you know, that She's kind not, of like, thing could get out there is a bit what? terrifying.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. You two are... See, again, that, that's
2: yeah. another example with these two, with Grant and Malcolm, of, of that sort of undercurrent to touch, of, of uh, attraction and things like that between Malcolm and Ellie. But it's not... Grant never really talks about it. He never really focuses on it. You know, I like that. I like the way the script doesn't really make that point. It's just there, it's just bubbling under.
3: Check the vending
2: machines. They'll be getting soaked. See, they uh, they filmed this. They filmed the whole movie in um, in Hawaii, in
4: uh,
2: on the island of Kauai. I've probably not said that right. Kau Kauai in um, August 1992. Three weeks they were there. So a lot of the set would have been would have been built elsewhere, but the the exteriors, a lot of the what we saw earlier about the um, the rolling vistas and things, that was. Um, Chosen by Spielberg because it was very visualist. Visualist. He wanted the part to look real. Whether or not these scenes are filmed, there I'm not sure. Oh, there we go. Hits the sign. Where he go. Well, we know the answer. DOS systems. That's just me. The fag from Sam Jackson.
4: Access security. Access.
2: You didn't me. say the magic word. Uh huh. <laughs> there we go. Uh uh-huh. That's a little bit addictive. Uh huh. I wouldn't mind that as a ringtone actually. You didn't say the magic word. Think about it now as well. We're, we're an hour in, two-hour film. We're an hour in. We haven't re- we haven't even got to the big dino action yet. We haven't seen a big. We, we haven't seen a genuine dangerous dinosaur. We've seen a couple of dinosaurs. Um, we haven't seen anything terrifying. Now this is obviously the, part of the bit now where it all kicks off. But you wouldn't think it's been an hour. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here recording this commentary, and I'm, I'm surprised I've been talking for an hour. It doesn't feel I like, like it an hour has gone by. No, it has such pace this perfect. film and such
3: I Why be?
2: you know such movement to it's it you don't scary. know
3: did it's been I didn't say I was scary. it's all been a bit you funny
2: know. there's Lex again you know Spielberg uses the whole thing of, of, of playing about with things that actually become important later so those glasses obviously those infrared are really important um, but we start off with it just being jokes with with Tim Again, that sense of foreboding now. Building up. This is probably the most famous scene in the film. Whoa, cool. it's, the, in fact, this, this what's coming up might be my favorite scene, actually.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: I said earlier about when they see the the uh, the Brachiosaurus, but I think this this is the moment. I think you all know which bit. We've got them in the left hand bottom left hand corner now of the screen, and then it's feeding the. Here it comes. Water. Oh, goosebumps. <laughs> just amazingly done this I mean it, we went to see this again in, in 3D um, when it came out for the anniversary in, in 2013 for the, th- the 20 years and just hearing that sound of the T-Rex feet and the water rippling I was just giddy with it with excitement it just took me right back to 1993 it was amazing Maybe it's the, power to the sound of the T-Rex footsteps actually were created by cut sequoias crashing to the ground Funnily enough. And there's the goats gone. Yeah, be afraid, Lex. Be very afraid. Oh, that's the other thing. There's, there's some real moments of, of blood and gore in this. You know, you forget this. There, there, there really are the odd moments where Spielberg just unleashes like some horrible thing. And there it is. Animatronic T Rex <sighs> chomping away it's still terrifying off he goes he's legging it oh you weasel originally it wasn't just Gennaro he was going to run Malcolm was going to run as well he was going to get away and run in the shooting script because um, he, he, that's what he does in the book he does the same thing in the book but, uh, Jeff Goldblum Decided that yeah, yeah, yeah. he ought to make it more heroic, which we'll get to in a minute, but. Um, but yeah. Here we go. This coming down. Here it comes. The roars of the, the Tyrannosaur were a combination of dog, penguin, tiger, and alligator, and elephant sounds. Um, which. Jesus, imagine that. Imagine being there. Still looks great as well. I mean, that you know, it, it's been 20 odd years. You, you totally believe that CGI. You totally can feel that dinosaur there. There's Grant's knowledge coming about. about the movement Absolutely. thing. Actually, the kids don't know this. Speaking of the water, though, just, just quickly going back to the water, The uh, it was made to ripple by a guitar string <laughs> that was used that was attached to the underside of the dash beneath the glass which they, they would you know manipulate that's how they made that work which is quite interesting oh there's, don't no Tim tension is the, the tension of this moment you know with T-Rex is just looking through the window and it's, like, it's just it's just palpable. You know, you, 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 you're there, the eye. Again, you're with them every step of the way. Here. There we go, bashing the car. It goes. Kids don't realise the light is attracting it. Oh, through the window! God, this terrified me as a kid. great great direction. Camera swooping in and out, showing the distortion. Just you're just there, it's just proper puts you in that car. It really does. This was all um, this was all animated, the T-Rex of the car. That was uh, that was shot bare, and they were composited in later the T Rex in the car. Um, so you would have had you would have had Ariana Richards and Joseph Fiennes at the bottom of the shot there, just crawling. But they all this was all this was put in later. Well, this wouldn't have been. I think that would have been a genuine ring, but the earlier it was animated. it's The same with um, with Gennaro when he uh, when he dies. It was all from the rear. It's a standing. There's Grant with his... Distracting the, uh... So he, he hurt his hand, actually, Samuel, right the flare. He used to distract that. He um, said it dropped some burning phosphorus on him. and got under my watch and took a chunk of my arm out. So, here's Malcolm's heroic moment that, that Goldblum suggested. Doing a runner, distracting the, um distracting it so going could save the children ah, here we go this is probably everyone's favourite bit from the film brilliant no remorse <laughs> so yeah that was all CGI that, well obviously <laughs> you know, they're not going to actually have a, have a real dinosaur eat a, a real apple um, yeah wonderful still brilliant That's the one, I suppose. You know, two D piece of characterization really. The lawyer, uh, but he's he's there. He's there to to really make that point. You know, he's there for that moment, really. When the thing eats him, it's to show that you know these things are, are carnivores and they will they will eat you, basically. You know, they're not cuddly, widdly things. Um, so yeah, he functions mainly for that reason, and also, you know, to. And put the cork up, like, on the hammer side of the... well, he's mainly there to get <laughs> eaten Which is fine. You know, we, I don't think anyone would be good to that scene. Yeah. Tension still still rife here. The uh the great name stuck with the children, so you know he's having to he's having to act as that. So, oh cliff edge! Me out. I hate critches. That that, that that bit I would have struggled with. But actually, without you, without realising, Spielberg likes his cars over cliffs, doesn't he? I've, I've noticed this. You know, if you look at the Indiana Jones films, there's a few of them in that. Like, you know, with the tank going over the edge and stuff. In this you've got the, the Jeep that he's coming over now as they're absailing. And it happens in the Lost World as well. In the Lost World there's the there's the scene of the Jeep that this is decent. Pretty decently job. Oh, that's so close. ground. <laughs> yeah, in The Lost World, is that sequence? It's yeah, the best sequence of the Lost World. The only really standout sequence, which is when Malcolm's and his kids are on the on the window. And they're trapped, and they're, the, the window's breaking under them. That's that's brilliant. He likes that, though. I've only just realised that. He's turning
3: the safety systems off. He doesn't want anybody to see what he's about to do now. Look at next entry. It's the white rabbit object whatever it did it did it all but with the key checks off the computer didn't find the key apparently script. though as well when the T-Rex bla- comes
2: through the fire. glass of that of that car a minute ago when Lex and, and Tim were in there um, it wasn't supposed to break so the, the some of the screams that are in there from from Ariana Richards and Joseph Mazzello were real <laughs> because that entire you know animatronic dinosaur was coming down on them and it wasn't supposed to do that so See here, Hammond's um, Hammond's the spell's starting starting to break, isn't it? They need Nedry. He's starting to realise that he's he's I bitten off more than he can chew. It. Hammond, Hammond you know, finally, and he's starting to finally think about his, his grandchildren. And that, you know, that's the one thing. He's very selfish. He's a very selfish character. And he does come to understand that, um, but he doesn't really think of the consequences of lobbing his grandchildren into this. I think this is Nedry's again another memorable so so many memorable scenes in this film so many scenes that you can point to and, and remember and think about I think this is Nedry's death if I'm right if I remember correctly loses glasses. It was a bit of a water slide effect when he, when he falls there which was added in for effect. <laughs> Possibly because he's a comedy fat man. I love these things though, that go after Nedry. I don't, I, I don't know what they're called. I can't remember what they're called. Um, but they're like, they're almost like peak. I always think of them as like the peacock dinosaurs. You know the. There is it. a name for them, but they, oh, these things. That I think they're scarier than the, than the raptors. I really do. They 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 scare the shit out of me. These things. So the little noise they make, the little kind of noise as well. It's just even creepier because they they on the face but they seem nice. Whoa. Nice boy, he's like a dog. It's talking to it like it's a dog. Come on, Dennis. Nice boy. Nice dinosaur. Thought you were one of your big brothers. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. What do you want? What do you want? You want food?
4: Look at me. I just fell down a hill. I'm sucking wet. I don't have any food.
2: Play fetch. See this just this just underlines his complete lack of understanding of what he's got himself into as well. No, that he okay. thinks he can do this with dinosaurs. They think that he can just play fetch and treat yeah. them like a stick. dog. You know. Yeah.
4: you like a
0: stick? No wonder you're extinct. I'm gonna run you over when I come back down.
2: Yeah, a bit like a bit like you know the lawyer. He gets he, it, it, the thing with this. Uh, you know, everyone gets what's coming to them. I mean, that that's the that's the great thing about Jurassic Jurassic Park. <laughs> You know, they, they they do get oh that's the bit that's the bit that. it che- <laughs> Jesus terrifying that and then oh it's, it's the, oh no it's a, terrifying ugly. oh right his eyes oh god <laughs> would he have knocked himself out there I don't know I don't know if he would have knocked himself out there he didn't seem to hit that hard enough there goes the can as well. Now that that's interesting, because that can that canister is never referenced again in the film. I don't know if that crops up anywhere else. I don't think it ever did. Oh god, it's in the car with him. Hell of that's a great death scene. That's the best death scene in this film for me. Terrifying. But that can this canister, it never gets referenced again. So that that's just as far as I'm aware, that's just out there now. In the park somewhere with all those all those samples. The chances are it probably got washed out to sea or something, or was buried. But yeah, it was uh, left over, that was. Possibly intentionally. I see Grant's the next.
3: The next. Right making here. sure that he's
2: going to help gonna the kids.
3: She's in shock. You to stay right here and
2: wait for me. Yeah, you see, he's, he's there. He's, he's going to make sure that they're okay.
3: That's not
2: what do. He's not quite the father figure yet, but he's getting there. No either it's a shame that Grant, you know, that Sam Neill almost came back and did um, Jurassic Park three later because you never got, you never really got, you never got the same sense of characterisation as he did in this film. You know, he, he was just the leading man in that. You know, he's perfectly good, and that film is okay. Um, even though, weirdly enough, it doesn't seem to have a third act; it just ends. But it doesn't have anywhere near the the interest level of this film. You know, and the you know, Laura Dern's only got a cameo and. It doesn't. It completely takes their relationship. You know, she's remarried by that point. It completely takes that relationship that had been built up here away, and the idea that they might have a family and things. In a way, I wish he had either said no, yeah. uh, like I presume he did about the Lost World. Um, yeah. And Jurassic Part Three is a better film than the Lost World, but only marginally, really. Tim. See, this is the bit I couldn't have imagined Harrison Ford being oh. as good at. It's like it's it's the Sam Neill's got that certain. He's got that ability to be dangerous and grumpy and and angry, but he can also be he can also be quite human and and you know and kind and and you know heroic. I suppose Harrison Ford can as well, but he's 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 much more. You know, you can I could imagine Harrison Ford when he was younger playing Ian Malcolm actually more than more than Alan Grant. You know, that sort of Han Solo swagger about him. So I think I think they got the right guy with with Sam Neil. I think th- I think they I think they pitched it well. the <laughs> door. <laughs> bonding there over the lack of father figures, which perhaps perhaps that's why perhaps that's why Grant's lucky like is actually weirdly enough. Because never, never he he doesn't there was a little hint there that maybe he didn't have a dad. I'm
4: going to help
2: Who did things for him? So maybe he's lacked that element of fatherly fatherly nature because of that. You see, this is the thing the dialogue's not explicit about all this stuff, but it's there. Again, a good sequence there of that jeep. I wouldn't have wanted to be there. That looked like a proper jeep that was going, unless that was CGI. Squidward likes his sequences of, of things about to fall on you or about to hit you and then you just get out in time. But he is good, though. He's good at shooting, them. Yeah, this is well shot. Quite a dangerous stunt, really, as well. is well and truly written
4: Well, we're back in the car again. Well, at least you're out of the tree.
2: It's an interesting move, separating Ellie from them as well. I, th- I think that that helps, to, that helps to that helps to amp am up oh. Grant's relationship with those children. I think. I think it's it's an important. Um, Important move to do. Ah! It maybe gives her a little bit less to do, though. At certain points, you know, she's she's more out of the picture. I
3: think this was too. I think it's ahead of us. It could be
0: anywhere. The place is down. It can wander in and out of any paddock it likes. (laughs)
2: still funny even when he's half crushed to death we're about to build up to the chase sequence now with the T-Rex which was uh, apparently the most difficult one to animate of all of them Which I suppose you can understand because you know, so they were still they were still at the at the forefront of CGI, really. You know, they were they were still working a lot of it out. You know, they 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 sussed a lot of it by this point. You know, they they got a lot of it in in the in the knowledge banks, but they were still working things out as they went. You know, so they would find it easy to to create what what they did here now. I mean, you know, look at, if you look at Jurassic World, there's a lot more dinosaur action in Jurassic World than in this film. 20 years on. Oh, Ripple's in the puddle again. He knows it's coming. But you know, they, they were still it was still relatively in its infancy compared to what it is now. So the strides they made for this film alone were it's an remarkable really.
3: I'm fairly alarmed here. come on, come, on,
2: come on. we've gotta get out of here. Oh there it is, through the trees. They're off. Yeah, see, it's, it's slightly out of focus it pulls focus at, the, at various points as well now that jeep isn't going particularly fast you can tell that and trying to put that in the mirror would have been difficult apparently uh, the, the animator Steve Spaz Williams had to do research because there's no fr- there was no frame of reference for a running animal of that size it took two months to figure out how to get it to run. in the first instance and then they would run the sequence backwards to see all the mistakes. So, they were also able to use the computer to add little details, to add authenticity, like the T-Rex running through puddles of water, leaving splashes, things like that. Well, the splashing was filmed individually, and then the, the computer ended up adding it to the T-Rex footsteps. So, you know, it, uh, it allowed them to to add extra details into the scene which Are you hearing this? which helped really and yeah, we're back with uh, Alan, Tim and Grant Alan, Tim and Grant Alan, Tim and Lex on, Tim. hearing the after effects of the car chase um, doing their best to survive Please. out on the lamb. In the middle of the park, it's a hell of a tree. I love trees. I love big trees. That look, <laughs> you know that that's a that's a nice piece of design. This is, this builds up to a nice a nice scene actually, which uh, sees the three of them continue to bond. Actually, shows another little side of things. There's the Brontosauruses. You know what this does? It's it's a nice scene because it shows the other side of the of the coin with with how these dinosaurs are not all of them are uh, are evil. You know, not all of them are. Well, none of them are. I mean, the whole the whole thing with the, all the Jurassic Park films, all all the all the films set in this franchise, is that the dinosaurs are not the bad guys. It's the humans that are the bad guys. Ultimately, it's the people like Nedry and Gennaro and you know. Hammond to an extent, even though he's not exactly a bad person. You've the dinosaurs are just reacting. They're 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 just they've been bred, they are reacting the way nature would make them. And some of them are carnivores, kind of awesome. some of them are meat eaters, some of them um have that and others are I like the Brontosaurus that are quite as we see now, that are quite passive and and nice, as 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 some animals are. So it's making that point that dinosaurs you know, dinosaurs may be the the, the the frightening element here. There's the raptor claw, obviously. Um, pointing out there that there's two there's two sides of it, but there is more to it than simply just dinosaurs are killers. And I don't know.
4: What do
2: you call think this is this is a really sweet moment. You can see how much more comfortable Alan is with the with the children now, can't you? You can see how, how how easier he's finding it compared to the beginning. I mean, yeah, they've been through a lot to bomb them together. <laughs> but uh, it's quite nice to see. There's a fun little joke there. It's just nicely played. And nicely written as well. And nicely shot throws the raptor claw. away. that might be a mistake later. You could have probably done with that. This is another really nice scene as well. Check out the merch, obviously. A lot of that merch probably ended up in shops. In fact, Jurassic Park might have been the first film to probably probably to properly as I should I should say do this with merchandise. It just I can't remember one before having such a you know a hold on the market for things apart from Star Wars, but this is this was one of the first I remember as a, as a child. This scene now, I think is really important, especially to Hammond. It really gets in under his skin into the character of who this guy is. To explain why he is like he is. And I think it's, it's a nice, quietly observed scene in the middle of, of all the carnage that's very important as well. It's a lot of ice cream. A lot for that little old man to eat. It's <laughs> not so the music here as well. I like what John Williams does. You know the little twinkly music. He's talking about the flea circus. <clears throat> he's talking about what made him want to become an entertainer in the sense of this this great magician that he's turned out to be with with, with what he's created at Jurassic Park. And it's. It explains a lot about him, really. Nice bit of acting as well, boy. (laughs)
4: Dicky.
0: He can't quite let it go, can he? He can't quite
2: see the human element that he's been missing to this and the natural element that he's been missing of this, he still has that hubris I think, I don't think that ever quite leaves him either, you know that's what's quite good about it, he does have a good arc and he does learn things through this but that hubris and that belief that he's got something here that will work doesn't quite leave him, you know Ellie's trying to make the point that you know they didn't respect what they were getting into here, they didn't respect nature and that's something he still isn't quite doing really No, it's only and he, even his grandkids you know in they mentioned mention his grandkids there, even they he still doesn't quite see it, and he's he's more he's more thinking about the bigger picture still than than his own family hmm. bitter use of that line there oh nice animatronic brontosaurus here. Veering into shot. And this again is a continuation of that sweet moment, really. Lex a bit afraid. Naturally, you would be. You saw that thing, right? But it's quite a nice one, that. It's a nice dinosaur. Dinosaur you could pet, as Tim obviously does. He's giving you that whole, you know, that very ambling Spielberg to light children, child-friendly touch. The whole thing, which, uh, which you know, he, he's, he's what Jurassic Park does. You know, it balances all those things very well. He can go from being quite savage and scary to being quite sweet and funny. and You know, not many directors can really pull that off and make that work. Gets soaked. That's one thing they do in this. They, they she, is, she is comic foil sometimes, you know, because she's quite earnest and and serious to it to an extent. It's easy to sort of you can sort of send her up almost and make a little bit of fun of her, which which does work. It does work. Establishing she's a hacker there, that she's a nerd that will be important later, and that's just almost throwaway dialogue, but it's important to the to the to the conclusion there. Which is another thing that that a, that a good script can do. It can it can set things up without making them a big deal and and come back to that later. And that's obviously what happens there with with establishing that key thing about Lex. You know, everything does have a payoff in this in this script. Nothing is wasted. Yeah, giving us a handy little dose of exposition here about how they mutated the code for the dinosaurs
0: again he's contextualising
2: a few things obviously setting up the raptors as well with the little, the little feet, you know, again establishing, which is important. There's uh, Jeff Goblin with his chest out, almost <laughs> quite a suggestive pose, actually. <laughs> Weirdly enough, one for the ladies. This is a necessary scene to get us from A to B Think about the technical side.
3: Standard. all the systems will then come back on their original startup mode correct? theoretically yes but we've never shut down the entire system before it may not come back on at all yeah. we get the
1: farms back yes, again, in yeah, theory what about
3: the live contingency we could put that into effect
1: that?
3: that is absolutely out the question the stream...
2: suggestion as well that there's more going on there's more protocols behind the scenes that we don't know about quite a bit to get through here there's quite a bit of you know important exposition about the animals he's a bit rich of Hammond there to sort of talk about dying people when you know he's been quite cold about all that and, uh, here we he go there's a lot of switches all the systems are coming down I thought he was going for his gun then Muldoon not a light hold on to your butts hold on to your butts he likes saying that doesn't he I like saying that to be fair I, I do say that every now and then it's got to be done hasn't it
3: shut down triple circuit breakers all we have to do is turn them back on reboot a few systems in here telephones security doors a half dozen others but it worked systems ready where are the breakers maintenance here the other end of the compound three minutes I can have power back on the entire park still figuring out obviously the, uh, the mechanics of the plot. And the whole system's up and running.
2: You, you, I mean, you know, this moment—the moment Sam says that I'll be back in ten minutes—you know, he's never coming back. Ah, here we go. Here's the other. Here's another great sequence. Another memorable sequence. This was always the one you'd see in the trailers, or you'd see when the film was being advertised on telly. It was always them on this field with the big dinosaurs, the CG dinosaurs running towards them, and then them having to run away. It's uh, and this is you can. This is k- now. This is Kauai. This is the. Um, this is the Hawaiian island in full effect. I think actually this might be the same island, where they filmed Lost, or it's similar to the film island where they filmed Lost. It looks like very similar vistas.
3: Changes, just like a flock of birds evading a predator. they're, uh,
2: they're flocking this way. Talking there about the galley, galley mimeous, the flocking. Galley means foul mimic. Um, he doesn't actually answer the question Lex asks him there, but Gallimimus were carnivores, but what they o- they only went after other dinosaur eggs, so they 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 will eat things, but they're not actually they wouldn't have gone after these guys. That's which is why obviously they skip by and you know and they can get away. But that sequence of them running away from that is brilliant. It's one of the more effective moments of running away from nothing that you will have seen. And there's the T Rex. Ugh. See that again? Really quite, it's a savage moment and entrails, and ugh. it's not afraid to do that.
4: Okay, <laughs> keep
2: <laughs> Typical boy response. You, you totally would be like, "Oh my god."
3: I'm in 50 still a bit in denial. But John, if the of the down,
2: mentions Disneyland there um, specifically. You know, again paralleling the idea that you know he's like a sort of morally corrupt Walt Disney, the the grandfather entertainer figure. It's again, making that point. Now, uh, here we go. Muldoon's going for his gun now. Definitely. Now, this was a... an Italian Franchi Spass 12. Um, commonly used in films due to its aesthetic modern appearance.
3: Like
2: Spielberg kept that gun, actually, after the production ended. Um, it's now part of his, his very private gun collection. Um Many and he got many of the stars to sign it. Actually, at the end, um, apparently, when he when he invites guests to his home in Beverly Hills, he lets them shoot it.
4: Hmm.
2: Why? I didn't necessarily think Spielberg was one of the pro-gun rally, but uh, come on, let's nobody's go.
3: on, perfect. We can discuss sexism and survival situations when I get back. And just take me through this step by step. I'm on channel. Three.
2: Uh, nice little line there about sexism, and that—that's something that actually, you know, it, it, I'll give this film credit for because Ellie's a very much, very rounded character. She's not necessarily a screamy girly girl. She gets in the mock, She gets involved. You know, this whole sequence where she's basically tripping the breakers in a bit. You know, um, after Muldoon, um, you know, goes the way of the dodo. It's, it's good because it's you know she, she, she's, a, she's quite a strong solid female character again I, I keep saying it but again another great sequence where she has to run for the shed as we're being hunted it's It's the way Bob pe- plays this that I love it, it's just that controlled cool sort of he's not afraid of anything he's just um, you know it's brilliant it, 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 it's brilliant which is why it comes as a bit of a surprise when he does die because you would ex- expect him to survive because he seems well trained. This is great. She's just running. Mr Arnold? Yeah. Mr Arnold? John, in. Oh, here we go. Going down a dark staircase. This isn't going to win well, is it?
3: Twenty or thirty feet, you come to a T junction.
2: Take a left. Just never follow cable kid. I understand how to read a schematic. oh the fence. Another well-known scene. <laughs> I sound like a broken record here, but it, but it, but it is. You know, it's it's the moment where obviously little Tim gets zapped in a minute. And this is, this is one of the things that Spielberg is really good at. He's really good at establishing a problem and then having characters really become increasingly, you know, lost in it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. This again shows how comfortable he is with those kids now because he can laugh and joke around them. He wouldn't have been able to do that an hour ago or an hour and a half ago and that's some wonderful development to his character. But... Yeah, i was saying, Spielberg manages to establish a, a set piece and he really knows how to, how to make it work. Like this whole thing where they've got to get over this quickly. You then are ad- adding in the, yeah. the extra component of Ellie now going down there and having to switch everything on. And it, it's just... The way he shoots this and the way he cuts this is, is brilliant because it really builds to that, that increasing point of, oh shit... One good character is gonna cause other good characters to be in trouble, and that's and that's really effective, and that's trickier to do than it looks.
1: so it give me? back.
3: Come on guys, it's not a race.
1: I see the box. It
4: says high voltage. Yeah. Okay.
3: That's great. Come on. Find your footing. Find your footing. Millie, you can't throw the main switch by hand. You've got to pump up the primer handle in order to get the charge. It's large, flat, and gray. All right,
4: here I go, okay? One, two, three, four, okay, charge.
3: Uh, In other words, contact position. There's a round green button which says "push to
4: close." Push to
2: close. Okay. Push it. I quite like as well how all the all the buttons aren't necessarily completely "push this" or you know "big danger." It's actually it looks like a realistic system. uh, and here we go This, this is it this is amping up this tension now because she's got a series of of buttons to turn on and they've got they've got limited time to sort this out Come on, Tim. i to get Tim. Okay. I'm
4: gonna
2: count three. One. Two. Uh, great thing about this as well is you think that he's gonna do it. You think he's gonna jump and then <laughs> shocked. I think that would have been a surprise. And I, I don't think for I don't think for one minute anyone would have thought that Spielberg was gonna kill a child in this film. But it, it's it's the whole thing of how it's just a little bit of a shock. But he is shocked. Oh. There's the raptors. First time we probably see the raptors as well. It's a hell of an introduction for them, actually. Oh, Mr. Arnold. oh, this is the bit as well. See, gore, oh, that's horrible, you know, just his arm. Apparently, Samuel L. Jackson did have a death scene written, um, but he, he couldn't make the filming, or the, the way, when they were filming it, it wasn't available, or, or I think it was, I think it was that, um, which is really interesting. So he he was disappointed, actually, that he didn't get that. But if anything, I think that's better, the fact you just see his hand, and then it's his arm. That's far, far more effective, I think, than anything that they could have shot it's just horrible right in the middle of Laura Dern stuck in the middle of this this raptor attack it's, uh, it's very well done interestingly even though obviously Muldoon is here trying to actually take out one of these these things there is, no dinosaur is ever killed by a human being throughout the course of this film or even the next two films it's only um, in Jurassic World oh, like, oh. <laughs> he, uh, that's the great thing as well I like he, even when he's about to be eaten alive by one of these things he has respect for them and that's so he gets a quite a noble death really but yeah, it's only Jurassic World when someone actually shoots a dinosaur. It doesn't happen before then. No,
4: Tim! Oh, come on, Tim. Good boy. Good boy.
2: And they're back in the big visitor centre, and now we're about to get into the uh, probably the last big signature sequence of the film. One of the one of the biggest signature sequences, actually, which is the kitchen scene. But first, these two are going to have a bit of a feast. Big Tim, the human piece of toast. I love his Vandergraff hair. I'll be (laughs) back soon. Human piece of toast. See, so he shows how much he cares about them now as well. You know, there's a real sort of tenderness there, which I think is is lovely. I oh, imagine coming in and seeing this, Jesus. After the day you've had. <laughs> Hell of a feast here. You would though, wouldn't you? I do wonder though, why that, all that food's there. It's like, you know, ooh, wobbly jelly. Who was that food for? There was only a few of them in here. You know, did Hammond actually put all that, all that on for all of them? It seemed a lot of food. Oh, Raptor in shadow. Here we go. This is the kitchen scene. What's good about this? I mean, what's obviously visceral about it and, and memorable is the fact that it's the children who are in peril. Um, I think that's why people probably remember this one the most. Really, Spielberg apparently wanted the velociraptors to be about ten feet tall, um, which is taller than they were known to be. <coughs> but, uh, during during the filming of this, paleontologists uncovered ten foot tall specimens of raptors called. O- Utah yes. raptors so he, he basically out how to open doors. Um, he was vindicated really in having them be quite tall now there's a lot of questioning as to whether or not that t- that, that raptor could have actually opened that door I know a lot of people have, have, have questioned that over the years. You know, would it really have had the intelligence to open the door? But you've got to remember, these aren't your traditional raptors. These are genetically enhanced raptors. So, it you know, there's every possibility that, yes, it could have done. It could have well done. Um, that's a hell of a tall creature, isn't it? Now that, that's... Possibly CGI. This definitely is. I think this all this sequence is CGI. And in fact, this is probably where most of the actual CGI of of what I mentioned earlier goes in, because you see quite a lot of them here. And if you think back, if you think comparatively, you've hardly seen the T Rex at all throughout this entire film, which which people don't remember. I think people would expect that that T Rex has been there all the time. But if you think about it, you haven't hardly seen that T Rex one bit. Which is really interesting, I think. It's very tense, this sequence as well. Again, Spielberg keeps the camera low, keeps it with with them. You feel like you're in there with them. Imagine that was animatronic there, the dinosaur. So that bit where it leaps on the counter there, I think that 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 always terrifies me a little bit. Apparently, all the cast were given a raptor model at the end as a gift, by signed by Spielberg. Um, Apparently it looked terrifying. So Ariana, Ariana Richards has it in her house to shock anyone coming in. <laughs> like a guard at the gate. Jeff Goldblum keeps his... In a prime spot in his house and is quite cherished. Laura Dern, Laura Dern put her raptor model in her son's room by his crib. Which <laughs> suggests so a slightly twisted sense of humour for her there. That's always, that's always a bit as well that's controversial. Where, where, it Knocking itself in the mirror. I think that's quite good because... I think it it doesn't it wouldn't have the intelligence to recognise a reflection. So I, I think I think that makes sense. That and that's how they managed to escape and that's very clever. There's also some questions as to exactly um, the nature of the of their escape. Um and how the raptor there freeze, slips on the on the ice, but it, it's quite good attention to detail because the the night before the power was switched off, so that freezer would have defrosted. And there's an argument that's why Hammond's eating ice cream because he's taking it out of the fridge that's defrosted, because uh, he knew it would spoil. Although for me, the reason he was eating ice cream was because he was sad. That was the main reason he was eating ice cream, but. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a suggestion that that's why that makes sense because of the power being up. So there's there's some logic to that. Oh, lock right the door. Again, going for the handle. This is a nice little moment for Lex. Obviously, you know, she's been established as a bit of a geek and a bit of a computer nerd. Even though she was more sporty in the book, I believe. They amped this up for the show. But, um... Yeah, it's quite nice that she's the one who ultimately gets to the save them using her technology and skills. I wonder though, why why doesn't why doesn't like Ellie just ask Tim to give her the gun? You know, he he's not doing any of this. She could have just gone, Tim, get me the gun. It's a little bit contrived, I suppose, but it's brief. Yeah, door lock. From Hammond, there he's, he's also telling he's still even at the end of this film he's learned all his lessons. He's still terrified at losing what he's created. You know that sheer terror. It's not for his, his grandkids. It's for it's for the creatures. You know, and that's that's interesting that he still is he's really thinking about that more than his own family. And that and that's why much as he's got a good character arc all the way through, you know you. Um, it, it, it does. It still holds true to the characterization of these people in that they don't completely change right from the very beginning. You know, there is still that element that they, you know, doesn't forget that. Oh, that's a good save. That's a good shot. Where the raptor just misses biting legs. That's very good. Still very effective. I think I love the the here. I think I love how how they resolve this. Really, how how ironic it is in how they in how they escape, which obviously is the um, is the uh, the T Rex ultimately coming in and effectively saving them. I think that's brilliant. Again, lots of scenes in this film of things falling on Tim as well. <laughs> like, things falling on almost crushing Tim. Electronic Raptor, there. This is it. You think they're done for? You think this is it? They are totally cornered. Long before the days, Chris Pratt could whistle at them and they'd do his bidding. <laughs> And then... In comes a T-Rex. Save the day. Oh, the irony. That T-Rex occasionally did malfunctioning with the animatronic one. I mean, this is CGI. Um, apparently it used to terrify you, It would just come alive. People would start screaming. I think what I like about that is, as well, the the... It is the fact that uh, that sort of natural selection that you know survival of the fittest comes into nice little bit of dialogue there comes into play with um, you know with the food chain and everything like that. Uh, and slams the dinosaur. This is the bit I love. This is another goosebump moment. The roar as the when dinosaurs ruled the earth drops. Beautiful, beautiful last shot of the T Rex. I think mean, that's fantastic. the the, the dinosaur has regained control of their dominion basically one last wistful look it's a mirror image because this is exactly the same shot as when Hammond actually gets out in the helicopter at the beginning and he looks and he's excited and they're about to see it it's framed exactly the same way in parallel but now he's looking back wistfully sad as where it's all gone wrong and now you've got the little twinkling john john williams sad jurassic park theme and they're all shattered and pretty glad to be alive <laughs> I say it's a shame the promise of this that was never lived upon really but um, here you go the dino birds flying away it's got a beautiful shot really sort of sums up that parallel really between nature and the good nature and the bad nature and and what this thing does create. It's quite a soft ending as well. There's no real tag scene. There's no sort of moment of, you know, cliffhanger beat. They just they just fly off into the sun, into the sunset. And we're left to, left to see the, the credits roll and, and, and that's it really. It o- leaves it open enough to do another sequel and to do something else with it, but um, but ties it up nicely. You know, that that functions as as its own film. That functions completely as an entity uh, on itself, I think. You can watch the first Jurassic Park and you don't need to see the rest. You can just enjoy that for what it is. Which I think, on the whole, is a a good idea. I think, really, the second film has its moments, but it's very flawed. The third film, again, is, is very similar. And Jurassic World, the... The concept is better than the execution, so I don't think anyone, most people, I don't think would disagree that that Jurassic Park hasn't been topped and possibly never will be in, the, in certainly in this franchise. And I, I would go as far as to say it's it's in the top five best films of the nineteen nineties, and it, and it's it's probably in Spielberg's top five as well. It's one of those films, a bit like. Uh, Raiders is the Lost Ark, actually, or Back to the Future. That A defines its decade, and B is just perfectly constructed in, in in every way. Really, it's just it's just got that construction that just works completely in Italy. And from scriptwise to direction to casting, everything, I think it's just it's just spot on. So that was the first of our pick-a-flick experiments, our very first commentary of Jurassic Park. Big thanks to Spielberg Pod for the nomination of uh, a Stone Cold Classic. Spielberg Pod is the podcast where they re-watch the films of Steven Spielberg. You can find them on iTunes or at spielbergpod.libsyn.com. Sounds like a terrific project for a podcast, and they are well worth a listen. So thanks, guys. We'll be back for a traditional Pick A Flick episode next week. But if you have enjoyed this commentary and you'd like to hear me or anybody else do some more, uh, do let us know. Do uh, tweet us at Pick A Flick Pod on Twitter. And we're on Facebook at Pick A Flick. And email us at Pick A Flick Pod at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And we're hosted by ACAST, which is my preferred app of choice for you to listen to. But do rate us on iTunes as well. Do give us a five-star review if you're so inclined. And uh, just like us, and that will help our ratings no end. And help us get more listeners, which will keep the podcast going. So, it's in your hands. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to me. Hopefully give you some insight into one of Spielberg's greatest films. This has been Pick A Flick. You pick em, we watch em. Simple. See you next time.